Hi, this is Mike Metcalf. This time I want to talk about a system I would call Continuous Experimentation. An alternative title might have been Continuous Improvement, but I do want to emphasize this point about experiments, undertaking experiments continuously. Most people who have been through a modern education done things like physics and chemistry and, and use laboratories in school will understand what I mean by experimentation. That is, you rerun experiences. Um, typically in a physics, you try and hold everything constant except the one thing you're measuring. And you will vary that and you will carefully observe typically measure, count what happens on repeated runs using different variables. As a real-life example, I once brought a car that had a strange electrical fault in it that sometimes the lights fused, and it was clearly something to do with changing gear, but it didn't always occur the same way. It was a sort of inconsistent fault. So I had to go and buy 10 fuses and then say to myself, right, I'll turn on the lights, I will put into reverse. Does that fuse the lights? Yes or no? If I put into drive, move a little bit, then put in reverse, does that fuse the lights? Yes or no? If I turn the lights off and put it into reverse, does that fuse the lights, yes or no? If I go from third gear to reverse, if I put the handbrake on, what happens? So I try and change one thing at a time in order to work out the exact sequence of events. Now, as it, as it happened, I worked out that if you put it in a particular gear and then into another gear immediately afterwards with the lights on, then a fuse occurred, and I could tell this to the mechanic who said, no trouble, no, no problems to him, he could quickly change something. So I used experimentation to identify exactly what the problem was. So the concepts in use in experimentation are, first of all, there's a problem that you want to improve, careful observation, typically including measurement, but not necessarily counting, there is a, a sense of reversibility of, I'm trying this, but if it goes wrong, it's not catastrophic. I can go back and do it again. I can repeat it under controlled circumstances. It's a process. I, I go through a process. And I'm interested in the function of things. What happens to something when this is done to it? I like the argument that one of the reasons that the Industrial Revolution occurred in England rather than the rest of Europe or in China or in the Islamic world is because, let's say, because of the work of Francis Bacon who tried to instill in the general public or at least in the merchant classes or the aristocracy those in positions of, of power and and being able to change things in society, a sense that they should imitate science and undertake experiments. 
that in their everyday life they should discuss what happens when things changed. They should observe and measure. They could do this in nature. And, of course, if you had a piece of machinery, you could do it with that piece of machinery, be it pumps for mines or lifts for coal mines, anything really. One could experiment with the equipment that you use in your everyday life to see how you might improve it and typically discuss this with others. That is, experimentation becomes an everyday norm of behavior in contrast to a more conservative or traditional view that leave things well alone, you know, don't mess with it. If it works, leave it alone. So I think one of the classic examples then of applying this continuous experimentation mindset would be the Stevensons. Uh, The father continuously improved machinery at his place of work. He then got his son to educate him so he could read more widely. But their overarching drive was to experiment and improve with things and look around for ways of improving things. And uh, I think typically the son wanted to find ways of making a lot of steel for railway tracks, uh, need a new method of casting and forging in order to remove the carbon or get the right amount of carbon in the steel, but in in a mass production uh, way so that a lot of railways could be laid. And, and of course, eventually found what's called the Bessemer method of melting and casting steel, which made it of the right strength and durability, thus allowing the whole revolution of railway tracks and steam engines and the Industrial Revolution to get going. Switching to a modern context, the idea of continuous experimentation is is well known amongst software engineers. If you are writing a large piece of software nowadays, I think you have to assume that there will be a requirement to continuously improve it. It needs maintenance. The world will bypass your software if you don't improve it all day, every day. And thus, when you're writing it, you have to write it as if it's going to be experimented with continuously and upgraded and improved. The famous development of Toyota, which gets mentioned in a lot of business schools, you can remember that uh, after the Second World War, Japan didn't have much industry, really. The Americans made a lot of cars, they passed that knowledge on to Toyota, who now are bigger than Ford and General Motors put together. And Toyota put their success down to a continuous improvement program. Now, a lot of companies would say, well, they have continuous improvement programs. Uh, For example, suggestion boxes, where workers can make suggestions for improvements. These get evaluated by middle managers, but Toyota tended to look at these suggestions as experiments, that that any suggestion should be experimented on rather than somebody simply accept or dismiss it, that you should see 
ideas for improvement as a request for an experiment rather than a judgment. Of course, that means that you have to have the facilities, really, to run experiments. So if you, you know, have a car plant or even a food processing plant and people will suggest experiments, you do really need an experimental lab in order to, to do these things, to see whether improvements occur. And it has to be fairly close to the manufacturing, the point of manufacture, where the suggestions are coming from. Okay, so what is the system I'm thinking about? You'll understand experimentation to be a system where you set things up, you control factors, vary factors, record things, that's a system. I just want to zoom out a little bit and talk about it almost as a, a lifestyle and an attitude that everything around you should be experimented with. The tension here being that not only with a certain amount of time and cost invested in something, but when something works, like you build a bridge or any other sort of structure really, there must be very tempting to think, well, don't mess with it. If you do, it'll fall down. The, the continuous experimentation view is the sort of opposite of that. It's always looking at something and saying, how can I improve it? Um, how can I prove beforehand that what I'm suggesting is an improvement rather than a step backwards? Can I confirm or deny my speculation, opinion, thoughts, mad idea actually works or not? You can do this with legislation to some extent. Uh, Australia is a country that has different states and often you get a call for standardization of laws across all the states. But of course that removes any opportunity to experiment. So it might be that someone has an idea that if we remove this particular piece of regulation there will be chaos and mayhem and you think, well, try it. Of course, you can do this nationally. I take the case of Portugal having no um, laws against uh, illicit drugs and finding that there isn't complete and utter anarchy. And that I, I gather the state of Oregon has laws about uh, people being allowed to get a lethal mix of barbiturates um, in order to commit suicide from... A GP, on, on demand really, I, I think you have to be a certain age, you have to be 80 or something, to get it. But um, you can see these countries and states running experiments, whereas standardisation tends to kill experiments. Having said that, you can see a certain sort of irony or problem that in order to experiment, you need to control things. So if you lock down and fix something you can vary something else and see the impact of it. So if you standardise, say, parts of a car or a process, you can you then be free to vary other parts and see the impact. There is in experimentation a, a balance, a trade-off, a paradox between needing to make something less variable in order to experiment with the thing that you want to vary. So the 
inputs to our system is a mindset, really, that change is good, improvement is good, measurements, and very careful observation anyway, through the eyes, through the senses, making the connection between the words experiment and experience. This is an empirical exercise, often, of course, to test logic. You reason it through and then you test it. And you look to see what the consequences are, the outcome is. And these will be something like, is, can I improve something? I suppose I am distinguishing a little bit from a physics experiment where you merely might observe that something happens when you do this, you know, the, the gas turns blue or something, whereas I'm looking for continuous experimentation in the sense of does that make something more efficient, more effective, simpler, easier, better? There's an improvement assumption in my experimentation. The use of the experiment is to improve things, not simply the accumulation of knowledge. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I, I, I'm trying to emphasize a, a more pragmatic or practical um, understanding of day-to-day of -day experimentation. So the outputs are improvement, progress, efficiency, I don't know, more lives saved, more wealth, that sort of thing. So the continuous experimentation system transforms half-baked thoughts, ideas, myths, guesses into a measured, I don't really want to say factual, understanding of the impact of varying one thing while keeping other things constant. Of course, the systems thinking approach generally doesn't like the idea of taking a complex system, trying to hold everything in it static and changing one thing and then observing what happens. Because of interaction effects and the whole point of a system or a system's view is that you've got to expect things to be more complicated than you thought, therefore there to be reverberations, feedback loops, unexpected interaction effects. I think that's, that's true and that maybe that would be affect how you design your experimentation. But I think the very fact that you, you want to experiment with things, you want to push the system and watch what happens in an isolated case where you know, there won't be a catastrophe, buildings won't fall down or diseases spread or accidents happen, is the experimentation mindset. So saying something like, I'll take a town or region or a... Um, you know, a, a, an isolated factory and change something in it and then watch what happens is a system's view. If you try and bind it just to the one system, you might be able to say, well, I can't really control all the variables, but I can isolate it from the rest of the world and see what happens. I remember an experiment many years ago when computer companies were competing and a company couldn't decide whether it wanted to buy Apple, Microsoft, 
or in those days Burroughs computers. So it had three factories, so he put the different ones in each factory as an experiment to see, after a few years, which was preferred. Interestingly, when it went back, the people liked the machine they had. That uh, you know, the, the people who had the Burroughs said the Burroughs were, were wonderful and worked very well, and the uh, Apple people said the same, and the Microsoft people said the same. But you can see how they ran an experiment by trying to see what the impact was of of using different computer companies at different physical locations. What is being recombined in this system is experience and precision. Often a contradictory. When we have experiences in life, there's all sorts of things going on. We can be distracted and they work in one context and not another. So I think you've got to think of this continuous experimentation as an interesting mix of um, controlling one part and varying another, of precise experience. Might be, depending on your mindset, whether you find yourself to be more conservative or not, it might be that you think experimentation is sort of obvious. Why wouldn't you do it? Everyone does it everywhere. The issue here is the one of blocking or constraints. If you say to yourself, well, at work I would like to run this experiment, you, you sort of know that there are certain people who will stop you. Either your boss, because they don't like it, or a workforce that you're trying to reorganize, or even a, a piece of machinery you think, well, I need it for everyday use, I can't sit and experiment with it. So there will be constraints on your ability, opportunity to experiment. I think these are very important and very interesting. Uh, there used to be a, something called the theory of constraints, saying that really if you want to improve things, just get the constraints out of the way. These are blockages or bottlenecks. They need to be removed. Barriers need to be removed. Uh, I've mentioned Deirdre McCluskey's theory before. She thinks that the reason for the great economic growth and development of the world in the last 200 years was largely because a lot of the blockages to progress were removed. The church became less powerful, the aristocracy became less powerful, a middle class arose that had the sort of financial resources and and interest, self-interest and freedom of movement to experiment and try things. Um, an international trade world uh, allowed for people to experiment with things. And that's why you got all the innovation and economic progress, that the removing of constraints often allows a floodgate of improvement to come through. Because a lot of people would think exactly the opposite. They'd be very concerned that there'd be chaos and mayhem. And that's sort of why it's a mindset, really. But I do think, I trying to identify what stops you from experimenting is important. I, I, you take, for example, teachers or university lecturers tend to think they might want to experiment with the new technologies and, and find they can't because there's a central administration or a government department that says this must happen, you know, students must sit in this room at this time or this many hours must pass 
with you in the room or grading must occur like this. There'll be rules. So in fact, the experimentation is stopped by a series of rules and regulations of people and processes and bureaucracies. And I think identifying that to allow experimentation is an important part of the system for continuous experimentation. Of course, it's always quite powerful when you're making a suggestion at work or in the family or whatever, rather than say, we are going to do this, to say, well, let's run a little experiment, let's see what happens, let's do it in an isolated case. It's very hard for a reasonable, rational person to oppose a suggestion for an experiment. And, of course, the great thing about experiment is that it can potentially come to an end, be closed down and to be declared you know, ineffectual or it didn't work without causing any harm. So there are exit routes, there are closures to allow it to stop. I think evolution is a continuous experiment, isn't it? Um, its progress is... We you know, randomly produce variation and there's this continuous experiment to see whether that random factor, longer legs, bigger eyes, number of teeth, improves the survivability or not and the reproduction of particular species. So I, I, I do think you can understand nature to be in a constant state of experimentation. And therefore you can go on to... Schumpeter's argument, the same thing happens with products and services in the world. They are in a constant state of evolution, experimentation. And that, in fact, it's the, it, this is the natural state and it's the, there's a, just a lot of blocking of, and, and constraining of that and that's where the problems arise. So the selectors in evolution are whether experimentation is blocked or not, whether things are allowed to be implemented, who or what has the power to stop an experimentation from occurring. The ecology of this system, who eats who in the swamp, is the, the big enemy, I think, of continuous experimentation is tradition, habit, threats to, to power elites, a mindset of leave well alone, another mindset of keep life as easy as possible. I remember noticing this uh, occurring when you compared German and English companies going back a, again a while, that you went to an English company and they'd be very proud that they had a, an old machine here that had been there 200 years and it sort of did the job quite well and... Uh, you know, this is a great pride in, in keeping it going, whereas you went to German companies and it was always, you know, oh, we have the latest machinery, the new machinery, with this machine goes faster, we're looking for another machine that goes even better. There was, there was always this constant improvement and experimentation with better machinery, better processes. There was, in one case, a pride in tradition and another a pride in innovation. The role model being imitated here is science, but I think there's a few differences. Uh, one is that you might not 
quite need the same measurement and accuracy requirements if you're trying to improve uh, an organizational process or a piece of machinery or um, you know, people's habits, social habits and things. But as mentioned, that under this continuous experimentation system, what we do is trying to improve things. I think science often is knowledge for knowledge's sake, which it then hands out and says to people, if that's useful to you, fine. I think there'd be a, a, a more relevant criteria for the system I'm talking about. This everyday practical experimentation worldview. Need to finish up by mentioning anti-fragile. I can see experimentation as a learning process, a knowledge acquisition process, even if an experiment is unsuccessful. That surely would make you anti-fragile. Experimentation is a process of making things go wrong and seeing what happens, of benefiting from a non-continuous state. So I think experimentation and and being anti-fragile have a lot of analogies in them. Okay, so that's about it, really. I suppose, to some extent, I would like you to encourage you and everybody else to think how at work they can implement a sort of mindset of experimentation. Your assignment in the spirit of these uh, podcasts might be to think of an experiment you could do at work, something you could change and see the impact of in a measured way, carefully observed way. Partly to judge a reaction from others, their attitude towards the idea of an experiment, doing something different in an isolated location to see whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. Or how hard it is to set up an experiment in your organization or your workplace. Thank you.